0: we mm-hmm. This is Chris, welcome to episode 252 of X-Lapsed, where we're diving back into our, uh, Lapsed Annihilation coverage. Um, not going in order, though, uh, we're not gonna be covering, I think it's Guardians number 17. There really isn't a whole heck of a lot of, uh, eccentric stuff in that issue. Uh, certainly not enough to make an entire episode about, um, though, I mean, uh, previous issues of that weren't totally eccentric. This one was especially... Not eccentric So we are skipping right to the cable one shot This is Cable Reloaded number one And we're going to get uh, reacquainted with uh, with the old guy, the big guy, the, uh, the big gun So uh, let's not waste any time and hop right in Again, this is Cable Reloaded number one Had an October 2021 cover date The story is called Call in the Big Gun Written by Al Ewing with art by Bob Quinn Colors, Hava Tartaglia, Letters, VCs, Josephino, Designs, Tom Muller, Head of X for Now is Hickman. Edits, Amaro, White, sobolsky Cover Price, $4.99, went on sale August 25th of 2021. Now, something sort of kind of notable about this issue, at least to me, is the fact that this is uh, branded as a uh, full-blown X comic here. Uh, we have our Tom Muller credit, Head of X is Hickman. I didn't know how they were going to do this one. I didn't know if this was going to be more of a uh, mainstream Marvel sort of thing, like if this was going to be handled outside of the X editorial office, but looks like in fact it is in the X editorial office. So uh, let's get right in. Now we open in deep space with uh, Cable, the new old Cable, or the old man. C- I-, I guess we'll just call him Cable from this point on. Okay, so uh, Cable, he's at his satellite base thingy, Greymalkin Two. And he's headed to Breakworld. Anybody remember Breakworld? Yeah, it's that place that Joss Whedon spent what felt like five thousand issues setting up, and it's full of like generic Marvel aliens back in uh, Astonishing Volume, whatever the hell it was back in the uh, in the post-Morrison temper tantrum that Marvel was throwing. Anyway, after conferring with his AI tattoo, Bell Cable dives from Grey Malkin Two, and um. We get a reference to uh, hmm, stop me if you heard this one before. Uh, Cable, uh, his uh, fashion sense is very pouch centric. See, he wears a lot of pouches, and uh, we get a reference to his wearing pouches because uh, I guess the uh, you know the lowest hanging fruit may not be the tastiest, but it's certainly the easiest to snatch. And I'm not sure if this is supposed to be humorous but if it is, it's about as funny as, uh, you know, Der Her He Talks to Fish references about Aquaman, and about as creative as well. From here, we hop into a double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters include Cable, Brand, Cannonball, Boom Boom, Wizkid, Cora, Lila Cheney, and Rocket Raccoon. Now, while Cable plummets and kicks off his rocket boots, he uh, boots us into Flashback Land. Where we get a little bit of backstory on why he's doing what he's doing And so, we're at a S.W.O.R.D. briefing between he and Sassy Abbey. Now this is Cable, uh, well, old man Cable's first mission for S.W.O.R.D. But he claims to remember the place from when he was a kid So, I guess he has all those memories then? So, uh, hmm, it stands to reason that he knows a heck of a lot then, right? Uh, maybe even the, uh, Mora of it all? Well, maybe we'll worry about that when they tell us we need to Anyway, he assumes here that Kid Cable was only put into a power position at Sword as a uh, political nicety Like a nod toward the uh, influential Summers family Now, though, they've got the uh, grizzled and experienced Cable Or, in his words, a Cable they can actually use I mean, this is all according to Cable himself, though Now, sassy Abby starts filling him in on the last Annihilation Hoodoo And the Mammu's Mindless One incursions You see, the baddies are about to attack five magically significant planets, which was deduced during Guardians of the Galaxy number 17, which, as I mentioned, isn't all that x relevant so we will not be covering it in any sort of depth. From here, Brand introduces Cable to the man he'll be reporting to, and, I mean, as if the uh, double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred didn't give it away, uh, he will be reporting to Rocket Raccoon. And I think she expected Cable to scoff at this, But, instead, he stands at attention and salutes the little critter. And Rocket is, uh, well, he's equally surprised. Now, apparently, Rocket Raccoon is some sort of legendary figure in the future, and, um, well, that's all a result of this very mission they're about to start up here, the last Annihilation deal. So, uh, I guess Cable already knows how this one's going to play out then, which kind of takes the tension and drama out of things a little bit. I mean, one of the things with cable here is that uh, you know the the future isn't yet written. You know that's kind of one of the things that, uh, and we're going to talk about that more as we get into an info page a little bit later on, where history and the future are kind of a uh, kind of a fluid thing. But still, I don't know. It takes me out of it a little bit. Like I don't remember getting this vibe in like the 90s cable appearances where everything felt like uh, there were there was tension, there were stakes here. At I don't know, it just feels a little bit different. I don't know if maybe I'm reading too far into things, or perhaps I'm just an idiot. Now, back to the present, our hero crashes down on Boring Breakworld. And from here, we get an info page. And this is a personal log from Nathaniel, Christopher, Charles, Dayspring, Ascani-san, Summers. And he mentions the five planets and the races that represent them that Dormammu is about to uh, attempt to dread all over. And they are the Skrulls, the Krees, the Shi'ar, the Spartax, and the Shatari. Uh, he also talks a bit about death and how it's believed that mutants have uh, conquered death. Well, he begs to differ. He states that the mutants have, in fact, not conquered death, and instead only entered into an armistice, or a polite agreement with it. He then mentions that he doesn't have the luxury of believing in history, since, you know, he knows everything. So back to comics, and Cable's Bell AI arm has been shattered to bits in the crash landing, and so he replaces it with a hard-light prosthetic, which has a devil tattoo on it called Nikki. Cable then plants a Krakoan gateway seed, through which his team for this mission arrives. They are the folks who we went through in the roll call, but for the benefit of those with short memories or relative indifference, I'll repeat. It's Cannonball, Boom Boom, Wizkid, Cora of the Burning Heart from Morocco, and uh, Lila Cheney. Now, Boom Boom gives us the, uh, the all X-Forces back baby reaction, but, uh, well, you can't do that, because that name's already in use. Now, WizKids suggest that they, uh, instead of calling themselves X-Force, they are now the all-new X-Terminators. You all remember the X-Terminators? Well, uh, this was a tie-in miniseries to the, hmm, original Inferno event, and it spun out of X-Factor. Now, of course, X-Factor were the original five X-Men who were portrayed publicly as mutant hunters, like in the vein of Ghostbusters. They had commercials, hotlines, and everything. And while, yeah, they were hunting mutants down, it wasn't to take them out. It was to take them in and train them to better use their powers. So after a little while, X-Factor had themselves a team of trainees, which, at the time of Exterminators and Inferno, was comprised of... Artie Maddox, Leech, Rusty Collins, Skids, Richter, Boom Boom, and Wizkid. So, that's the reference here. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to think we might be getting an ex-Terminators ongoing spinning out of this next Inferno. Especially if the rumors of sword getting canned is true. Anyway, our all-new ex-Terminators are suddenly swarmed by boring-ass breakworlders. A cannonball mentions that he's nigh invulnerable when he's blasting like a half-dozen times, which... I'm guessing, is supposed to be funny. Like maybe poking fun at the old Claremont days where they had to, you know, introduce the characters every single issue because back then they actually cared that uh, every issue could be somebody's first. And just giving us a character like Cannonball in a vacuum is like, well, who's this guy? If you've never read a Marvel comic before, you got to have a reason to, I don't know, invest and find out what this person's all about. So I think it's supposed to be a gag here. Uh, We've talked time and again about how well humor works in these books. I mean, especially when the ace up your sleeve is a nod to Rob Liefeld drawing pouches, which, I, I don't know. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. Now, the ex-Terminators win the day. Uh, WizKid manifests a really big gun, or two actually, two really big guns, which I'm guessing is another Liefeld reference. Um, is this the sort of meta-commentary? Like, is this the thing that we're in the market for? I mean, are we literally paying $5 plus tax for creative to, like, give us a wink-wink, nudge-nudge? I don't know. Moving on, uh, we have an info page, and in it, Power Lord Varn yells at us. Really, that's it. It's an entire page of him yelling at us. Back to comics, and our heroes have entered City 7. I'm getting a Midgar vibes here, Uh, well... Sorta of. uh, Lila Cheney kind of sidles up to her former underage boyfriend Cannonball And alludes to the fact that he's loud during the likely illegal sex acts they used to engage in Tabitha says that he's all about being a family man now And uh, how he's no longer any fun Now, City 7 is uninhabited It's uh, basically just a place where a giant robot was built And so, for the next several pages, the ex-Terminators fight said giant robot and we get some powers in tandem sort of stuff here. We got Tabitha and Cora working together to create a giant time bomb. And then Sam, who I may have to remind you is nigh invulnerable when blasting, he flies the bomb right into the robot's face. And, uh, well, that's the end of it. The robot's defeated, and our heroes steal its giant gun. They deliver their quarry back to Brand, and uh, we wrap up with one last Durher pouches joke for good measure. And that's worth noting, there is a giant bullet here, which, considering we're dealing with Breakworld, uh, maybe we can assume it's a callback to the bullet that Kitty phased into back at the end of the Endless Whedon run? Maybe. Maybe not. In any event, that is where we end our time with, uh, with Old Man Cable. Next time out, we finish, uh, well, hopefully we finish Wolverine's conversation with Seavor uh, Blackmore about uh, Solemn. But we will worry about that next time. For now, let's, uh, let's, I guess, talk a little bit about this cable issue, which, um, I tell you, I really didn't care for it. I didn't think it was all that great. Uh, felt, to me, kind of like a uh, backdoor pilot for a potential ex-Terminators comic spinning out of Inferno, which, I mean, that that isn't a bad thing in and of itself. It's just, I don't know, it just didn't land for me. I feel like too much of this issue uh, was tongue-in-cheek, and maybe I'm imagining it. But uh, it felt very much like we were trying to have a funny ha-ha here about uh, the 90s tropes that, you know, Cable, old man Cable embodies. And I don't know that I want to follow a story in which the lead character is uh, nothing more than like a walking punchline or a walking wink-wink-nudge-nudge reference to other creators. And, I mean, I don't want to get it twisted here and, like, make it sound like I'm offended that they were making fun of Rob Liefeld, but uh, I'm certainly not a fan of of plucking the low-hanging fruit here. Anytime I see someone make reference to pouches or to big guns, it's just like I glaze over, you know, because there's no effort put into making those jokes or references. It's just... Very uncreative I mean there's a lot of things that you can poke fun of About every era of comics And every character in comics I made reference earlier to uh, the Derher He talks to fish references in Aquaman Which if you're an editor on Aquaman And you get a script across your desk That has a Derher he talks to fish joke in it Instead of just giggling and then going to like Take a picture of your lunch to tweet it out Maybe call the writer in and be like Hey we can do better than this Because this has been done many many times before So maybe try a little harder And yeah, I feel the same way about these uh, low-effort pouch references its I mean, Al Ewing's a talented writer It's uh, something I begrudgingly said after reading the first few issues of Sword I I mean, I'm on record as not wanting to like those issues Because I don't like the way that Ewing conducts himself online I didn't want to like those issues But Ewing's a talented dude, and I did like those stories I, I think he's a wonderful writer Which only compounds the disappointment here Because he should be better than this and it might seem like I'm really getting stuck on this one silly, stupid, inconsequential thing here. But it's really the only thing that's stuck with me from this issue. Because at the end of the day, it just feels like this was, like I said, a backdoor pilot to try to um, whet our appetites for an Exterminator series. Which, if this is the cast we're going to get for it, I'm I'm totally down for. I think that's a really cool idea. If we're losing S.W.O.R.D., And we want to keep Korra and Wizkid in a uh, prominent or semi-prominent role in these books, then sure, throw them on this team. We haven't seen much of Cannonball since the start here. I mean, Hickman has him just being a dad with a horribly annoying wife in, what is it, Chanandalar or Chandalar, (laughs) wherever the hell they are in the Shi'ar space. And Boom Boom has done little more than get drunk and go to a farm since Hoxbox. So, yeah, let's add her to an actual cast. I'm totally down with that. I think this could be a very, very fun team, so long as it doesn't become a walking punchline team. And I think that's probably all I have to say about the story of this issue, because there really wasn't all that much of one. Um, the art here Bob Quinn. Uh, really like Bob Quinn on Way of X, this did not much resemble. Bob Quinn on Way of X. This, uh, wasn't all that great, unfortunately. I don't know if maybe this was, uh... I, I don't want to suggest that maybe it was a rush job, but you never know. Uh, maybe his work didn't quite meld so well with the anchor. Um, if you look at the cover of this issue, it lists Proto Bunker on the creative team, where inside it lists the anchor as a havatar Taglia. Maybe it was supposed to be Proto Bunker, and, uh... It got to the eleventh hour, and they had to fill in or slot in Tartaglia, and maybe it was a last-minute thing. Uh, in any event, it, this wasn't this wasn't the Bob Quinn that we know and uh, really, really enjoy from Way of X. But anyway, I think that's uh, about all I have to say about this issue. I was uh, I was disappointed. I was disappointed all around. Um, I was looking forward to this one from the minute it was solicited, which feels like it was a hundred years ago. But I was definitely looking forward to it, and. Just fell short of my expectations, unfortunately It really it really wasn't the uh, welcome back that I wanted for Old Man Cable I think this really could have been done a bit better But uh, lest I uh, repeat myself over and over again I will put a pin in it right there And we will hop right into the mailbag here We're going to start with Evan, who's talking about X-Corp number two Now Evan says... Nobody cares about Neil Shara, A.K.A. Thunderbird the Third? Did you forget his romance with Brian Braddock's beautiful British sister, Betsy? Of course, this was when they, when she occupied Quanan's body, which you and a lot of other people may have forgotten about since it is rarely ever mentioned anymore. Well, you see, this is why uh, this is one of the big problems I have with current year comics is the lack of uh, footnotes. Because if we had footnotes, maybe somebody would remind us that Betsy and Quanan occupied bodies and stuff like that. Because how else are we supposed to follow this stuff? You know, Jim Shooter would have footnotes and uh, we'd be all better off for it. But no, I did not forget about Neil and Betsy's uh, romance. And I believe we covered an issue of uh, X Men Volume 2 during last year's Merry X Lapsed, the 100 uh, the Page Giant issue, uh, Claremont Swan Song before going over to Extreme, where we do see uh, Neil and Betsy, uh, I think, having a playful. Uh, I was going to say pillow fight. No, no, not a pillow fight. A snowball fight. (laughs) And uh, I think they wound up on top of each other a few times. And it was, um, yeah, it was one of those kind of scenes. So, yeah, Neil, uh, how the mighty have fallen, right? He is here just as a uh, cameo. Though, if you're following to this point, you'll know that he did something sort of kind of helpful in a future issue of X-Corp. Though, I guess the full breadth of the role that he played in whatever this was is a... Kind of nebulous, so maybe he just stood around while everybody else did the work. Anyway, uh, Evan continues. If young, aimless mutants are a problem over new mutants, maybe some of them could take on the jobs that Madrox's dupes are doing. An island of 200,000 mutants, none of whom until recently were X-Men, seems like there are more than a few idle hands. And you know, you raise a very good point here, because uh, it seems like anytime we see anybody actually doing any sort of work, it's someone we know. Right, uh, we go down to the Savage Land before it got blown up. Colossus is there, like dragging a plow. <laughs> you know, why aren't why aren't the people that are dancing around the bonfire down there doing something? Why don't they just clock in six hours a day and do a little bit of work for the uh, island? It's just uh, weird that it's always people we know that do this uh, d- that do the gigs here. Uh, Evan continues. At least we got an acknowledgement that Sunspot exists, but isn't involved directly in X Corp for. Reasons? Well, uh, see what I just said about Neil Shara, because Sunspot's in that scene, too, though uh, (laughs) we don't know exactly what he did. He did something, but he's there. Um, Evan continues, I, too, want to know where Layla Miller is, though I'm a little apprehensive because Peter David will not be writing her. Not that no one else is capable of writing her, but Pad did it so well. Well, uh, See my, uh, my comments about, um, Sunspot and Neil Shara Because, uh, is gonna be showing up And, uh, prepare to be whelmed, I guess uh, Evan wraps up with I don't really get this book either I think I remember reading that it was supposed to be a commentary on corporate culture So maybe if you're more in that world, it lands a little bit better And, uh, I would argue that no <laughs> I think if you're in that world, as a Professor Allen's letter the other day uh, told us here, if you know anything about corporate culture or about uh, corporate shareholdings, it may actually make things even more infuriating than uh, if you don't know anything at all about, uh, you know, the intrigue of uh, of corporate culture, because I do think there's a contingent of folks out there. I'm not saying it's a big or small contingent, but um, I think there are people who... Uh, not to take a uh, phrase out of Marvel's playbook here But don't know much about the world outside their window And so what they know comes from comic books You know, there was that old saying back in the uh, in the 90s Like, everything I learned, I learned from TV I-, I do think there are some people who that rings true for Whether it be television, movies, uh, comic books Just everything they learn is from something that is going to entertain them And so that's what uh, forms their worldviews which then, consciously or otherwise, affords someone who is presenting that information in an entertainment venue a weird position of authority, like they're actually educating us. So if Teeny Howard or any other writer is telling us this is how corporate culture is, and if we don't know any better, it's like, well, sure, they're writing about it, they probably know a thing or two about it, and, uh, well, you might think that until you find someone who actually knows about it. And, of course, that is ignoring the fact that, uh, We got these people complaining about corporations while cashing checks from Disney. But I should probably stop there lest I uh, go into full-blown repetitive rant mode. So uh, we'll leave that there. I will thank (laughs) Evan for writing in about uh, the most challenging uh, X-Corp miniseries. Hopefully miniseries. (laughs) I think it's ending next issue, so fingers crossed for that. But thanks again for writing in, Evan. It really, really means a lot. Next up, we got a letter from Jeremiah talking about the, uh, the new Patreon and uh, suggesting something called a Discord. Huh. Now, Jeremiah says, Chris, I'm listening to the first exclusive podcast, and I'm loving that you pulled the trigger on the Patreon. Personally, I don't have any new ideas for what to offer your subscribers. I th- think an exclusive podcast periodically is plenty, since you're putting out a daily show and already offer fans quite a bit, whether they're subscribers or not. Good for you, for though, for offering up four podcasts right away. The x Lab scripts are also a great idea. It's a nice peek behind the curtain. Well, thank you so much, Jeremiah. I, uh, it may speak to my inferiority complex, but I always kind of err on the side of over-delivering. <laughs> you know, I, if, uh, I'm, I'm never certain about the quality of what I put out, but uh, quantity is something that can't be denied. You know, if I put out a lot of stuff, uh, hopefully something will hit, and... Uh, like I mentioned, I think last time I'm—I still can't wrap my mind around the idea that anybody would think anything I do is worth uh, even listening to, much less um, you know supporting in any way. So I want to make sure that I deliver as best as I can with uh, as much as I can. I—I I think I've talked about this before. Um, you know, not a not a week goes by where I don't get followed on social media by brand new podcasts. You know, like. Coming soon accounts, you know, where they're where they're very excited about this new project that they're that they're working on here, whether it's about a comic, whether it's about anything. It's just like, oh, coming soon, me and my friends are putting out this show. And it's like, okay, well, I check out their page. And they've said zero words into a microphone, and they already have a Patreon. They already expect to be supported when they haven't given anything. Not an episode, not a teaser, not even, in many cases, an original tweet (laughs) You know, they just retweeted other people's stuff Hoping that they would notice them and chip in on their Patreon And unfortunately, for the longest time, I let that kind of cloud my uh, judgment on What it meant to have, you know, subscribers and supporters and, and patrons I always viewed it as something of a negative, which, of course, isn't fair But you know, first impressions are sometimes hard to shake But I say all of that so that I can say this I uh, didn't want to be that guy, you know And even after I put out 50 episodes and and have been daily for a year I still felt like I hadn't Well, I don't want to use the term earned Because that's subjective, of course That's not something I can uh, legitimately say about my own creations, right? But basically it, this was uh, something it took me a lot of uh, a lot of time and a lot of soul searching to actually pull the trigger on and uh, i i am overwhelmed by the uh, support it's it's been it's been very very eye opening and, and wonderful uh, jeremiah continues i did want to share my appear- my experience with discord now the retroist offers a discord for his subscribers and it's a lot of fun it's essentially a chat app but more sophisticated than say the twitter dms that we use for chats you can add different channels for different topics, post pictures, post gifs, etc, etc. I don't run a Discord, so I don't know all the ins and outs of what it can do. Basically, I would think of an Xlapse Discord as something similar to what you've cultivated over on Facebook in the 90s X-Men group, just in more of a uh, chatroom-type environment. could be a lot of fun, but I also don't know how difficult it is to manage, if at all. I hope this helps, and keep up the great work. Well, thank you for the uh, for the suggestion there, Jeremiah. I do like that idea. I definitely want to read more on what a discord is here. That actually seems like it could be something so fun that I uh, wouldn't want to limit it to uh, the Patreon. I, I think that could just be a fun place for us all to hang out and chat and uh, bounce ideas and stuff off of one another. I think that could be a uh a fun thing, and I will definitely be looking into that during this week. So thank you so much for your kind words and for the suggestion, Jeremiah. It really, really means a lot. Now we're going to wrap up with a letter from our friend Peter talking about Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, number three. Now Peter says, in all the years I've been buying comics, I have never heard anyone pronounce his name as Shang-Chi. <laughs> Before the movie, so I wouldn't worry about having offended anyone And that is, of course, a reference to a uh, letter we got from uh, our friend Chris Bailey About the proper, uh, the new, I guess, proper pronunciation for Shang-Chi as Sean-Chi Because, uh, well, I can't pronounce words as it is And also I don't see comic book movies So uh, I could only plead ignorance and hope that I didn't offend anybody with my mispronunciation but thank you so much for writing in, Peter. At least I know I'm in good company with my mispronunciation. So thank you so, so much. Now let's head into our shout-outs here. This is me saying thank you to anybody who engaged with the, uh, the social media shares of, uh, of prior episodes of X-Labs. So we're going to start over on Twitter. I'd like to thank Sombra, 21st Century Boys, Jeremiah, Fangirl Smash, Dragon Prime, Long Box of Darkness, Joe Crawford, Dave Schultz, Billy D, Jason Colby and Walt Nealand. Then over on Facebook I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Jesse D Young, Pat Sampson, Billy D, Walt Nealand and Corbin Owens. Thank you all so much for helping your uh, socially inept or social media inept <laughs> humble host with some signal boosting. It really does mean a lot to me. Speaking of which, I want to give my sincerest thanks to the patrons. Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse D. Young, and Damian. Thank you all so much for your support and for believing in this uh, silly little project of mine. Now, with all that said, let's uh, let's head into uh, plugs and contact information. If uh, anybody would like to reach me for any reason at all, you can find me several different places. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to What's the email again? Uh, WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com oh, You can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK You can head over to Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com for blog posts and show notes You could join us on Facebook at Nineties X Men, And of course the full audio archives are available at ChrisAndReggie.Podbean.com Available on all your favorite flippers, devices, and applications So uh, you can find us there And if you're listening, I mean, you've already found us Finally, there is, of course, the Patreon at patreon.com slash xlapsed, and, uh, the way I have it set, you won't be charged until the first of the month, so if you want to pop in there, try it for a couple days. If you don't like what you hear or see, you can cancel it and not be out a single dime. But hopefully, if you do check it out, you will like what you find there, and you'll, uh, you'll want to stick around. But that's going to do it for today. I'd like to thank you all so much for letting me hang out with you a little bit today, and until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.